You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Good evening. Well, I'm so glad that you came tonight, and I've been praying about this time that we would spend together. I thought I would start by putting on the screen some symbols, and I think you'll recognize them, so I'll put the first one up now, and um, if you know what it is, you can kind of just shout it out when you see it come up on the screen, okay? So we'll throw one up here about now. There we go. How did you figure that one out? I, I can't hardly believe that. Actually, uh, it is BMW, and you do see the letters. Do you know what BMW actually stands for? Barvarian Motor Works. That's right. Very good. Let me throw another one up, okay? Because in our society, symbols mean something. There's kind of a funny story behind this symbol. Uh, There was a young woman whose name was Carolyn Davidson, and she was asked to create a a new symbol for a company. And... uh, Of course, Nike was not then what it is today. And so when she created that symbol, you have any idea what this graphic designer, Carolyn Davidson, was paid? You maybe have heard in your past, but she was paid $35 to create the Nike swoosh. The the end of that story is that years later, the CEO of Nike uh, expressed his appreciation to her at a ceremony, and they gave her an envelope with an undisclosed amount of Nike Uh, stock options in it. So we are told that she was taken great care of later in life. I'll I'll throw one more symbol up to you here and let let you look at it. Hey, boy, we all know and love it. I think for a long time, I kind of thought this symbol was about the fact that McDonald's started with an M. And so I thought that was, you know, they just said, okay, you know, an M and everybody think McDonald's when they see it or McDonald's. But actually the first McDonald's that were built on the front end of the store, there was a very large yellow arch and on the back of the store there was another very large yellow arch and if you looked at the building from an angle it looked more like an m and so that's actually where the symbol for mcdonald's comes from kind of interesting huh let me give you one more okay symbols mean something in our society The background of this symbol was that it was how Romans used to execute people about 2,000 years ago. A lot of people were executed on a cross. Thousands and thousands of people. But, But the reason that symbol has meaning in your life and my life is because of one man who was executed on a cross. And his name, of course, is Jesus. What what, what do you think Jesus meant when he said, "If, if you want to follow me, if you want to be my disciple, if, if you desire in your heart to become a Christ follower, then you must deny yourself and take up your cross. What what do you think Jesus meant when he said, take up your cross? He he actually says it in in Mark 8, 34. Let me me put the scripture on the screen for you and we'll, we'll read it together. I think beginning with verse 31, 
It says, then he called the crowds to him along with his disciples. And he said this, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. If anyone would come after me, if anybody wants to follow me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I, I think if, if I was a, a person who attended a church like Bethany First Church all my life, I think I would probably come to this service with, with a question in my mind. And the question might be something like, so tell me again why we're doing Ash Wednesday. Because I, I realize we're not Catholic, we're Protestant, and and I don't think the word Ash Wednesday is anywhere in the Bible. And I don't think the concept of Lent is probably anywhere in the Bible either. And, and while that's true that we are Protestant, not Catholic, and while it's true that Ash Wednesday is not found in the Bible in the terms like we're thinking, nor the season of Lent, it is a very important part of the history of the Church of Jesus Christ. And history is very important to all of us. Fact of the matter is, believers began to celebrate and begin to prepare their hearts for the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. And that's really what the season of Lent is all about. Many, many years ago, believers said, as we move toward Holy Week and as we move toward the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we want to be prepared for that celebration. And so they prepared mainly by two ways. One was by prayer. And I don't think I'm going to ask you how many of you have ever prayed before, because I think almost everybody in the room would say, absolutely. But the second way they prepared was by fasting. And so that's, that's what they did. I, I don't know if I should ask how many of you ever fasted before. And, and by that I mean in giving up something like maybe a certain food or maybe a meal or maybe food for several days or maybe an activity in order to draw close to God or to worship. Or maybe it's because there was something you were praying about that meant a great deal to you. And so you were fasting about that particular situation. I, I tried to think how I might not say the words, my mom. But I couldn't figure out how to not say the words, my mom. And so I just thought I would say, I grew up in a home as a child where my mom fasted regularly. My mom never announced I'm fasting. In fact, it was never discussed. And if anybody ever asked, it was kind of quiet. My dad would say she's not eating. But I remember many times going to the dinner table that my mom had prepared. And I remember my mom not joining us there. And instead, my mom would go to her bedroom. And she would pray. And, and I remember as a kid being so impressed by that level of commitment. Because I knew how much I love to eat. And I just couldn't imagine saying, I'm not going to eat dinner. Instead, I'm going to go off somewhere and find a quiet place to pray. But the Church of Jesus Christ early on said, as we move toward celebration of the resurrection of Jesus, we are going to fast and we are going to pray and prepare our hearts and so really it was probably happening to some degree as early as the second century. It was articulated at least by then and probably by the fourth century it was taken on its liturgical form. And maybe as late as the seventh century they begin the act of putting ashes in the form of a cross on a person's head signifying their baptism in Christ. 
And so let me take just a couple of minutes and talk to you about three words, okay? First word is ashes. The second word is oil. And the third word is 40, like the number 40. The word ashes we find in the Bible many times. In fact, it um, is a symbol for many concepts. Um, In the Bible, ashes is associated with uh, mortality. It's associated with humility. It's associated with fasting. It's associated with repentance. And it's associated with mourning. A couple of examples I can give you would be like um, when somebody was repenting of their sins in the Old Testament, it was not uncommon for them to take ashes and they would sprinkle them on their foreheads and they would pray prayers of repentance. Or when King David's son died, the Word of God tells us that David sprinkled ashes on his head as he wept before God. The, the, the word oil we find in the scripture often too. It's used in the form of anointing, but for different purposes. For example, when the great prophet of God, Samuel, anointed David as the king of Israel, there in front of his father and his brothers, he got on his knees in his own home and Samuel, the great prophet, poured what over David's head? Oil. And right there in front of his dad and his brothers, he said, David, you are the king of Israel. And then in the New Testament, I read words like this. Is anybody sick among you? Anybody sick? James says, then anoint them with oil and pray for them. I heard today Ash Wednesday described as in these terms. It's the oil and the ashes. It's like suffering and healing coming together. Let me talk to you about the word 40. We find it in the scripture a lot. I'll only mention two instances to you. One is when Moses communed with God on Mount Sinai. Do you remember how long? And he fasted there, 40 days and 40 nights. And another example is when Jesus himself went to the wilderness, to the desert to pray, and he fasted. Do you remember how long? 40 days and 40 nights. And so early on, the church said, why, 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 why don't we consider this? Why don't we fast 40 days and 40 nights? As we prepare our hearts for the celebration of Easter. And why don't we take the ashes in the form of a cross? You understand If you do the math, it's a little more than 40 days to Easter. And that's because Sundays are not included. Sometimes somebody will say to me, I gave something up for Lent. And I say to them, did you eat it Sunday? And they say, no, I gave it up for Lent. I'm not eating it until Lent is over. And I say to them, no, I think you can eat it on Sunday. Because every Sunday is a celebration of Jesus' resurrection. And that's why the early church said, no, on Sundays we don't fast we celebrate. You might say, Rick, you, you've invited us here, and we came, and, and I got I to confess to you that when I walked in the room about three minutes before the service started, I was, I was so pleased that you came. I couldn't hardly stand it. I, I was so thankful. Rick, Rick, what's your heart? Why, why'd you want us to come tonight? What, what do you have in mind? 
Can I just say to you, and I'm not trying to be judgmental in any way, but can I just be honest with you and say we, as a church, are terribly distracted. And I'm not saying Bethany First Church. I'm talking about the Church of Jesus Christ in America today. Our lives are so busy. We are running and we are going and we are doing and we are exhausted. And I think the real question we have to ask ourselves on occasion is simply this. Am I prepared to allow God to do his creative work in my own heart? Am I willing to pay attention to my own soul? Am I a person who truly wants to draw close to God? Am I really seeking spiritual renewal in my life? How important is this stuff to me? Does this matter to me? Am I willing to do less noise and more listening? Am I interested in less consumption and more compassion? Am I open to less stuff and more freedom? I'm open to less spending and more peace. Am I open to less of me and more of God? Jesus says, do you want to follow me? Okay. Deny yourself. And take up your cross. I, I listened to the video with you a few minutes ago, and I, and I heard one of the readers say on the video that if an athlete wants to become better at a sport or, you know, hone his skills, that he might take up particular exercises or disciplines. And, and I think when we think about spiritual disciplines, it's, it's the way God sometimes uses those disciplines to help us to become who he desires us to be. He uses those to help shape us. Um, Historically, for the church of Jesus Christ, the primary disciplines used during Lent were fasting and prayer. I I, I think lately, maybe, it's been reduced a bit to this concept of gave up. I'm always hearing people say, I gave it up for Lent. And sometimes people try to be funny and they say things like, "I, I gave up Brussels sprouts or asparagus for Lent. And when in reality, they never liked Brussels sprouts or asparagus to begin with. And then we all kind of laugh about it and say, yeah, I should give something like that up for Lent. I, I, I did look to see what the most popular things were that people gave up for Lent uh, last year. And you could probably guess what they were. But in the top five were things like um, chocolate and um, sodas, carbonated drinks, and um, Facebook, I think, were some of the top ones. But I'm afraid that in some ways it's become a matter of just giving up something. And we've lost a greater purpose in it. And the greater purpose is, could somehow this be a season of spiritual renewal in my life? And somehow could I draw close to God through this? It's not just a matter of seeing if I could 
do without something for a period of time. It's a matter of saying, when that doing without occurs and when that vacuum is realized in my life, can it be a reminder for me to draw closer to God in prayer? What, what could it mean for me? And, and I know that we're kind of quick to talk about what we gave up for Lent, those of you who do that kind of thing. But really in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, yeah, I don't think you should talk about it. Really? And Jesus says, yeah, I don't think I'd mention it. That's what Jesus says. He says, yeah, I don't think you should let people know you're fasting. I don't think it's between you and them. I think it's between you and God. I don't think you should brag about that kind of thing. I want to focus on the cross with you. Before I do, I I wanted Chris to come and join me for a minute, if you would. We, uh, We chatted some this week. And uh, he was telling me about a conversation that he had with his family. On Sunday morning when you came into church, you got a sheet that looks like this, and it says Lenten Practices. It's, it's more expanded than the program that you got tonight, which on the back of it, the Lenten Practices are, are listed. And so Chris and I were talking about them, and he began to share with me a conversation that he had with Annabelle and Watson and Holly, and I thought maybe we could chat a bit about that for a minute. Sure. You just want me to go ahead and chat? I do. All right, here it goes. The, uh, the interesting thing about our family is that our kids are growing up in a time and a place that tells them this story. They can have whatever they want, whenever they want it, at whatever time they want to have it. And they're able to have whatever they want, whenever they want it, uh, and they can do it by any means they can go by any means by which to get there. And so a few days ago, we decided that we didn't like that story. Because as we participate in Lent with you, we think that having a 10-year-old and a 6-year-old hearing that story is a bad, bad story. But what we would prefer them to hear is the story of this collision. This collision between humanity and its suffering and this God in Christ who brings resurrection. And the way in which we do that is we practice the story during the season of Lent. And so we have been grappling together, sitting on the bed with a 10-year-old and two 35-year-olds and a 6-year-old, trying to decide how we are going to live out this new great story of God colliding with us during this season. The one thing that holds all human beings together and the one thing that, that we all have in common is suffering. The second thing that we have in common is that God in his love and his mercy and his grace delivers his son in a manger who lives and then dies and then is raised again. And so in that we might have hope. Mm -hmm. And so in the collision, as you said, the healing and the suffering coming together, we've just been thinking about how we can do that, how we can set some things aside and take some things on in order that we can remember that as a family. So uh, today is Wednesday. We're fasting noise, which means that these babies become pretty dangerous for us on Wednesdays. (laughs) Not dangerous in the dangerous fact, like uh, it harms us. But what would happen if we put it away, Twitter and Facebook and or perhaps, you know, the radio in the car. And instead of instead of listening all the time to mindless chatter, we sit and we have conversation with one another. We take something away and then we add something. My daughter, Annabelle, who is six, decided that she was going to give away or that she was going to give up or fast apples 
because she loves apples. So on Friday, choosing a food of her choice, she said, I don't think I'm going to eat apples. And so our conversations will surround during the din- at the dinner table and other things like that. Um, what it feels like to put something aside so that you can be a part of a new, great, and grand story. If we're not purchasing on Mondays, what does that mean for our families? Well, that means we're not going to go to lunch. You know, we're not going to do school lunch. We're going to stand around on Sunday evening, and we're going to pack lunches, and we're going to do it together. And uh, we have kids like you, so we have... Uh, no, I can't give that up. No, I don't want to do this. And, but we are collectively trying to figure it out together. And we're trying to figure it out together with the family that is you all. And so we've just been wrestling with that together. So when you say to your kids, we're not going to watch television on Wednesday night because we're fasting noise, do they get excited about that? Uh, I don't know. It doesn't feel like it. <laughs> but hopefully a new and great rhythm will be a part of us. And I think the other thing is that it creates a conversation between you and your kids as to why, and they become part of the conversation. I think that's the case. I think the other thing is, is there are people who say, well, maybe I don't have a family that I live with to practice these things together. So my hope would would be that we, being an extension of you, we would practice those, and we together, you and I would practice those, and you, Rick, with... Mm-hmm. Our congregation and the people who were sitting in the seats would practice those. And so valuable things that we put aside and we take on as we're trying to live out a new story. Thank you so much. Thank Chris. you. I appreciate it. The, the practices that we have for you are suggestions, and they may work for you, or there may be others that would work better for you. I, I didn't live 2,000 years ago when Jesus did, but if I had lived 2,000 years ago when Jesus did, and had I lived in Jerusalem... And had I heard a disturbance out on the street and I stretched my neck to see what was going on because it was a mob of people. And if in the middle of the mob, I saw a condemned man and somewhere in that mob, somebody was also dragging a cross. I may not have known what crime he committed. I may not have known whether or not his mother was in the crowd or his sister or his father I may not have known whether or not he was guilty or innocent. But one thing I would have known for sure when I saw a guy headed toward the outskirts of town, surrounded by a mob of people on a cross, the one thing I knew for sure was he is not coming back. That man's going to die on that cross. And Jesus says, deny yourself. And take up a cross. I mean, you would say, Rick, that that cross cost Jesus everything. I mean, he, he lost his very life on that cross. But that journey with the cross became the path to resurrection. No cross, no resurrection. And and so the hope that I have in responding to Jesus' command to take up a cross is that if I take up a cross with Jesus and I deny myself with Jesus and I identify him during this season in his journey to the cross, the hope that I have is that maybe there will be new life for me. Maybe 
On Easter Sunday, when we come together and we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, I not only will celebrate his resurrection, but I will celebrate new life that has come to me in these last 40 days as I have prayed more and focused more on him. You say, Rick, what are you looking for? I, I think maybe a revival. I, I want to see you draw close to God. I want to draw close to God. And so whatever things you can do during these 40 days of Lent, whatever spiritual disciplines you can increase, improve in, I would say let's just get closer to Jesus during this time. And so tonight we're, we're going to offer ashes to you. And I don't want you to feel at all obligated if that's awkward to you or uncomfortable for you. I don't want you to feel like that, that everybody's just expecting everybody to participate. That's completely your choice. But if you choose to, I think the response tonight is much like this. When I come and I receive the ashes on my forehead and the oil, I'm in a sense saying to Jesus, I'm accepting the cross. And I'm willing to deny myself. And I want to draw close to you and find new life during this season. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.